Welcome to The Alignment Show, featuring conversations with folks who have taken steps to identify their highest values and align their lives around them. Time on this earth is not unlimited, and you may be seeking to make sure you spend your time on things that matter to you. These conversations will encourage you and support you in doing so. Now, let's meet this week's guest on The Alignment Show. And a good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time it might be in your part of the world. Welcome once again to The Alignment Show. My name is Don King. I will be your host today. And we have a guest with us that I'm excited to get to know. I will tell you how I came across Heather Stark uh, as we get into it. But first, before we get into our program, just a reminder that uh, the way of the three-year-old why is out there in the marketplace. I really should have had the cover up, shouldn't I? There it is. Okay. Um, just in time for Christmas, as they say. Just remember, those of you who've been with us regularly, you know about this. The way of the year, the way of the three-year-old why is a business fable uh, about uh, Dan Roberts who couldn't remember what his reason for living was, and a mysterious stranger helped him to remember that. So I hope that it will be supportive of you as you figure out what your why is. And I think we're going to be talking with um, somebody this morning who has figured out her why. So let me go ahead and tell you about Heather Stark. Uh, oh, before I forget, those of you who are on video, got a website down there at the bottom, donking.com slash 3YO. That's where you can find out more about the book. You can always get the show notes at confidencecultivators.com. So that'll be coming up here. And now, get back on track here. Heather Stark is uh, somebody that I kind of tracked down in a way because uh, I, I came across, I can't remember how I found the article, but I came across an article uh, that was about her experiences at a homeschooling fair and really got my attention. So I went looking on the internet, found her. She agreed to come on the show today. Heather Stark is a business owner, a podcast host, a feminist writer, her girl empowerment company is called Grace and Grit. It helps girls discover their worth and potential through the stories of historical women. She is the author of Her Story, a hilarious and heartfelt conversation about why beauty milestones should be options and not expectations. She lives on Padre Island with her family, and I, I can tell you just having brief conversations with her, she knows her stuff. She's a strong woman who is a great model for girls herself, and I'm very glad to have on with us today, Heather Stark. Heather, welcome to The Alignment Show. Hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to be talking about uh, your book and about the work that you do through Grace and Grit, so we'll be showing those in a little bit, but uh, I, I want to go ahead and dig into what got you here. Let, let, let's, for context, let's tell people a little bit more about Grace and Grit, realizing we're going to come back to it later. But I want them to know what you're doing now, and then that will make it make more sense about how you got there. Yeah, yeah. So Grace and Grit, uh, it's a girl empowerment company, and at the base of it is um, 
lessons around the lives of historical women. So we've written a self-esteem curricula. We have a couple that use the lives of women who have overcome adversity that realize I have to make a change for me um, to live the life that I feel like I was supposed to live. And in doing so, they they altered history and they made changes for future generations. You know, they I'm sure some of them possibly knew what they were doing and, and the, the ripples upon ripples effect. But some of them, it was just something that they needed to do for them. And so that's that's my company. Um, and then we also have self-esteem programs that really just center on girls knowing their worth and their potential in this world. Okay. Okay. And the, uh, the sets, if I'm calling them right, they're, they're for guidance counselors in regular schools, but you're also marketing a lot through homeschooling. Uh, and, and so that's, that's kind of where we connected with that. Yes. Um, what, uh, I have so many questions. You, you, I know you were a guidance counselor. Uh, you, you worked as a guidance counselor at some point yourself. So that's a natural kind of connection. What led to the homeschooling thing? The the shutdown. Well, actually, it was right before the shutdown. Uh, we had somebody had. Uh, there was somebody in the my business partner has a creative agency, and there was somebody within his staff that was homeschooled, and she had had mentioned that this might be something that homeschool families would would want to do, would gravitate towards. And so we went to maybe one or two conferences. We were at our third one when the shutdown happened uh, that March of 2020. Like We were there when they made the announcement that we're shutting down. You've got two hours to get out. Oh, wow. um, and so when we realized this wasn't going to just be a three-week thing, we kind of hooked into the audience that we had started building and the the homeschool community just really embraced us. They embraced who we, who they thought we were. And um, we, we embraced that back. Okay. Okay. And that immediately changed your marketing model. Um, so uh, I, I just, a minor question curiosity question the the experiences that you wrote about in your article was that pre-pandemic or was that something that happened after we kind of came out of uh, such tight lockdown um there might have been one or two instances but it was after um and and to be fair we started going to more conferences and started traveling the u.s but it it was it felt thicker and stickier after after I would, uh, yeah i would imagine so um i'm i'm dealing a little bit with a stereotype here and uh, again for listeners you know we homeschooled our kids so you know i'm very sympathetic to this movement okay mm -hmm. so there, there's no implied criticism here but i'm thinking that there's a good chance that the nature of the homeschooling conferences you were attending a lot of them were probably uh, skeptical of the pandemic. They probably started meeting earlier than maybe what was wise. Yes. Very much um, so. And so was it a difficult decision for you guys to say, we're going to go to these conferences, even though we're not quite sure this pandemic is over? It was. Uh, we made sure that we were vaccinated. The first several conferences, we we were masked up. We were one of the few that were masked up. We um, really worked hard to maintain uh, 
that six foot, we were in a 10 by 10 booth. So we worked really hard to either keep a, a table in front of us um, or, or just that distance um, mm-hmm. and just we're constantly washing our hands. And, you know, it was a, a weighty thing, you know, where we're like, how do you do that? Because this is also your livelihood, something that you poured your retirement savings into this LLC. Yeah. And it was either you, you just, it isn't as black and white as yeah. it feels when you're sitting at home watching TV and seeing the reports that it's yeah. not as black and white. Um, and I think that when you are an entrepreneur, you have a certain amount of risk tolerance mm-hmm. and we, we, definitely took guidelines into consideration. Um, but it was like, we, we have to make some money. We have to save this business that all of our money, all of our retirement has gone into. Yeah. 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 And, and that's uh, again, for listeners, that's really, I know the underlying thing is controversial in a way, but it's to point out the difficulty of the decisions to be made. Yeah. And it's driven by survival, but also, I suspect, uh, a dedication to the underlying message because there's easier ways to make money. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> there is. And, and if I can just build on top of that, you know, the amount of new data um, and information that was coming out about how much we're online. So we're staring at our faces and how it was starting to affect people. And of course, my passion is girls Mm -hmm. and this we're we're already thinking I'm not enough Um, that that sometimes is a default thinking with young girls. And so now they're they're in social media and all of the research that's come out since the pandemic about how negatively it affected uh, people with ageism or body issues, you know, so the idea of, okay. There's that too, that that we want to, like you said, that's my message, that's my passion. Um, so there is amount of risk that you ask yourself, how are you, what are you willing to take on um, to save the business and to get your message out there because you know there are girls hurting in and yeah. in, in, in men, you know, so. Well, and that's, you know, until you said that, I, it's one of those things, you know, but I hadn't made the connection. I've seen the stuff about how with us being on camera all the time, yeah, uh, that it's affecting things. And I had a little bit of that, like this morning, I didn't have time to shave and I thought, Oh, I'm going to look terrible and all that sort of thing. And, but I'm, I'm old enough that I've gotten where I I don't care anymore. (laughs) Uh, I can think of a time where that might have led me to just not even do this. Mm -hmm. And I'm, uh, I, I just have an intellectual understanding, of course, not a firsthand, but I can only imagine how much greater the pressure would be on what our culture, our society puts on girls. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you're focusing on eight to 12, I think, primarily. Did, did I see that correctly? Yes. We've recently released some um, newer products that'll our demographic now can probably go up to 14, 15, and we want to be able to get all the way to 18, get those girls through high school. Okay. Okay. Cause that's, that's just a tough time. <laughs> yes. uh, that's so much of an understatement there. What, um, uh, and before we started the broadcast, uh, you and I were talking a little bit about, um, 
you know, people will be irritated by what they see in our culture and they'll think, well, this needs to change or whatever, but it takes so much effort to do something. You know, so what we want to probe into on the alignment show is, is sort of those origin stories, you know, what led you to where you are now, as opposed to an, I don't know, a safe corporate path of, you know, whatever else you could be doing. Uh, what has led you to this? So origin stories. Yeah. Uh, I I grew up. Uh, my first vivid memory of me not being enough was I was in fifth grade and I was looking at myself in the mirror and I it dawned on me that I had like six months to get pretty before I went to middle school. Oh, wow. And that's realization of course now this is mid 80s so we're still very much in the time of airbrushing and you know super thin we're still super thin we still you know prize that for women um but there were still those mindsets of what a woman was supposed to be pretty silent and pleasing and that got funneled to me in so many messages and that realization that I'm not pretty enough in my mind meant I wasn't going to be enough for anything because women are supposed to be pretty pleasing and silent. Mm -hmm. And so that, that led to uh, years of eating disorder, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, and those things, you know, you go to therapy, but an eating disorder is something that you deal with every day of your life. Um, it's, decreases the amount of time you have to deal with it every day of your life. But that is something that you are constantly, that's like constantly in your head. And so you, uh, you go through life and you go through therapy and it's just, you have moments where you're like, I got it. I got it. And then there's moments where you backslide. And at 36, I was done. I was done with the weight of it. And so I made a plan to end my life and I counted to three. And when I got to three, there was a voice that it, like, it wasn't a voice, but it was a voice that mm -hmm. just like, no, no. And it said, this is not how Heather's life ends. Like it didn't say, this isn't how your life ends. It was, this isn't how Heather's life ends. Wow. And I remember thinking, uh, I don't want to be this sick. I remember thinking how very easy it was to make that decision to leave this life that I have, even though I'm married and I have children. And that one moment allowed me to start questioning things. And I think that that is the turning point when you decide to allow yourself to start questioning things because you can feel it. You can feel something is not right. Something is misaligned. But until you allow yourself space for those questions to rise, not quite answering them, but just allow them, it kind of shifts things around in your world. And for me, at least, that shifting created space for me to open my eyes and dare to be a little vulnerable and see other opportunities. And it was probably within six months of me starting to allow questions that opportunities to find those answers, to go back into therapy. Um, I found this amazing life coach. Her name is Sonia. I, 
I worked with her for about a year. She was amazing. (laughs) Um, But those, those things allowed me to open my eyes. And as I opened my eyes and I asked questions, I started realizing where I was, was not where I wanted to end life. You know, when, whenever the end of this life in this realm happens, I want to be over here doing other things. And um, I realized that I had lived my life with my tongue stuck to the roof of my mouth and I couldn't do that anymore. Wow. Wow. Such a powerful story. Wow. Thank, thank you for sharing that. First of all, um, I have so many follow-up questions here. Uh, context at the time, were you working as a guidance counselor at that time? I was. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you weren't, you weren't already in business. Uh, mm-hmm. Another related question, context question. Um, going even back into the junior high school thing. Um, um, I, you know, we don't know each other, but just in our brief conversation, I get the sense of somebody who has a strong personality um, and very intelligent. There has to be drive there in order to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And that doesn't really go along with that. Uh, what was it? Pretty silent. There was a third thing. <laughs> You know, pleasing, pleasing, pleasing. Yeah, I mean, I just the pleasing thing as an entrepreneur, you have to develop some thick skin. But those characteristics were there, and yet the society was telling you none of those things matters. In fact, they're counterproductive. Yes. Yeah. It's almost like, and, and, you know, respecting the eating disorder aspect of the, um, uh, in broader terms, the, almost the addiction aspect, how hard it is for anybody who's using coping behavior to, to try to make themselves into something that they're not. It's very similar to the stories that we hear of people uh, hitting bottom in an addiction kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Heather, there's just so much here. I'm I'm going to go in the direction of, okay, you've had this realization. Mm -hmm. Things are not acceptable the way they are. Mm -hmm. At that point, it's almost like being, and I use this term with some trepidation, it's almost like being born again. (laughs) Um, uh, in the sense of starting over again, you know, brand new, which means the whole world is now open to you in a sense. Yeah. So what led you into, let's tell the stories of these women, the historical stories, um, as well as uh, I've, I've got two or three questions trying to get out at once. It's not working well. Uh, let me give a quick context here. I, I started writing over 50 years ago. And one of the first things I learned working with newspaper people, two kinds of folks that did it. Some just loved language. And to them, the necessity of digging out information to report it was simply what they had to do in order to do what they loved doing, which was writing. 
The others loved digging out information, loved exposing corruption. To them, the writing was the necessary thing in order to do what they loved, which was the digging. Okay, so I want to tell these stories, and that means I need to be an entrepreneur. Which would you say came first? Were you looking for a business or were you looking to tell that story? And then I had to become an entrepreneur to get the story out there. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, I was looking to help girls. I was noticing as I was having all of these questions and I said, you know, your eyes are open to other things. I really started paying attention to how many girls were coming into my office in third and fourth grade and just feeling like their lives had suddenly fallen apart. They couldn't tell me why they were sad or why they didn't feel like they could fit in or, you know, then their parents were like, yesterday we were fine and today we're not. What is wrong with my daughter? And then it dawned on me, nothing's wrong with them. Society has set things up in such a way that we believe something is wrong with us. And Although we don't practice those things that happened in the 1800s when a girl's only commodity was her body, we don't have that. You know, in the late uh, 90s, early 2000s, we still have the ramifications and the consequences of those things. And so my I was talking to my husband about working with this sixth grade girls group and how much I loved it. And he just happened to say perhaps you're supposed to do a business with girls. And at first I laughed because I, all I knew was education. There was no way out. But as I was allowing these questions um, to, to surface and seeing opportunities, I thought, oh, he might have a point. And that led to a position being opened at another school district, but in a town where there were resources that could help me start a business like that. Hmm. Um, and at first it was a nonprofit and it started with uh, just a several week self-esteem program. And so I wrote that and I had, I, I started the nonprofit. I had a board and there was a woman that came to me and said, look, you've started this nonprofit and that's well and good. But at the end of the day, you don't own the nonprofit. You've got to have something for yourself. And she said, you know, what about something with women in history? I love history. I uh, minored in history. Um, I was a brief major. I was a major for half a second. And then I switched that to psychology. Um, and the more I thought about it and the more I thought about history and the lack of representation, I've always loved to write too. That is something that I've done. You know, the, my, my journals from high school are, are, quite embarrassing that the the stories and stuff that you write when you're 16 is horrific, horrific haunting. Um, but, you know, that was just, it all just fell into place, you know, mm. with working with girls, a self-esteem program, the LLC. And it was two years of kind of a slow roll. And then it was just time to jump. It was time to jump. And so I jumped. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the story aspect of it is because uh, I have a bias here. Uh, mm -hmm. I've always been oriented around the power of story. You know, a yeah. story is how humans have made sense of their experience as long as we've been human. So how did you come across the idea, not just of the history, but of focusing on um, story as a vehicle 
again, for listeners, you know, we want to be explicit. We understand the nature of story means there is a focal character facing a challenge, a difficulty. There's something at stake. There's something to be lost here in the process of wrestling with that challenge. Uh, in classical terms, he or she grows, changes. Okay. That's the nature of story. That's what draws us into Star Wars and, and uh, you know, just all those kind of things. So this is a very powerful vehicle that you have chosen through telling these stories. Yeah. Was there a story maybe that you read or that somebody told you that helped you to realize, you know, I can use this to change somebody else's life? Yeah. Um, you know, I, there are so many stories that people shared with me over the years. Um, I, one does not pop out, but the idea of, I mean, well, you know what, let me back up. I remember being a child and going to the, the library and I would always go to the biography section of the library. And I, I remember reading about, not that she moved me, but about Martha Washington and about Helen Keller and their lives and just being so enthralled with that. So mm -hmm. there, there was an aspect of that, of, you know, fourth grade Heather going to the library and pulling out these biographies uh, of women. I believe that stories are a form of connection. We can see each other in our stories. And uh, I, I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. And she talks about how we are born to connect. It's just like in our DNA and storytelling is in our DNA. And I believe that everybody's story should be honored and there should be space. So all of that is in my head. And the first woman, uh, women, group of women that I wrote about was Rosie the Riveter. I've always loved her story. And I thought that was just a very um, a solid example of women rising up, overcoming doubt, overcoming adversity, learning to build planes and tanks and boats, and then learning how to fly them across the ocean so that, you know, soldiers could use them to fight was just a universal, universal story. And so that's what I started with. And then it, that would just like slowly picked up steam. And it was like, okay, what's the next story? What's the next story? What's the next story? Yeah. yeah. And that the, the Rosie, the Riveter, great place to start because after that, the same thing happened with the civil rights movement. After people found their, their, their agency mm -hmm. and then the war is over and Society in general tried to say, okay, now just go back to the way things were. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it opened it all up. Yeah. There's a legacy of Rosie the Riveter. And, and you know, I wrote, I write about that too. You know, what happened after the war? And this idea, what we wait, we gotta go back to silence <laughs> and pretty <laughs> and pleasing. You know, that's it, but that changed. It changed women in the workplace. Now we did go back, you know, for the 50s. Um, and the 60s, you know, families wanted those more traditional values after the war. But yet there was still that undercurrent of women going, OK, I got to get the roof. My, my tongue stuck off the roof of my mouth. You know, I got to say something. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I want to be sure we take a look at some of the resources that we have on here. Let me see. Share screen. 
let me let me show first the article that got my attention here. Okay, <laughs> so this is uh, I've been to over twenty homeschool conferences. Things I've witnessed at them shocked me, and I mean this is great storytelling, Heather. You know, just just throughout this thing, yeah. um, there's there's several little vignettes here, uh, recounting conversations. Uh, I I just I love the pictures that you're painting here. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, the conversations. Uh, I, I particularly love places where people would start to talk to your business partner instead of you, and he would redirect attention to you. I think yeah. I'm saying that accurately. Is that? Yeah. Oh, yes. Because, uh, you know, I write the stories, I research them. He does this amazing job of making everything beautiful and vibrant. Um, but yeah, the at these conferences, um, there was a lot of very traditional Christian values that uh, people feel like, you know, the, the man is the leader. And so they would come up to to my business partner, who is a man, and, you know, ask questions. And he'd be like, well, Heather. And then they'd be like, oh, it's OK. I want to talk to you. Um, <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I can I can only imagine um, and so, folks, uh, I'll have a link to the article in the show notes. I don't have it, you know, to go on the screen right here. But uh, I want to share that article with you because it's just a well-written article, and it really gives you a flavor of, of what goes on here. And, and again, to be very clear, uh, this is not this not making fun of these folks. You know, it, it is a, a bit of a different culture. Uh, as I've already said, uh, um, me and my family, we were into homeschooling, although uh, although I'm a pastor, we were homeschooling for hippie reasons. You know, we're old hippies. OK, <laughs> um, but still, you know, uh, it's it's a it's a great illustration, I think, of bridging assumptions, uh, opening up some inquiry. The, the very first story in there was where uh I'm not going to give away too much of it, but uh, the woman you were talking with used a, a word that had that is culturally loaded these days. Yeah. And rather than argue, you simply asked a great question, which is, "What do you mean by that?" And yeah. it was the first she realized that she really didn't know, and it opened up the conversation. That is such a great skill in and of itself. Yeah, a counseling skill. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there yeah. it is. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So let, let me let me go ahead and get. Uh, let's see, which should we do first? Let me uh, let me focus on the book that has come out fairly recently. This is where y- your website is focusing. Yeah. Uh, this is heatherstark.me, and again, we'll have I'll have a QR code for you here in just a second. Those of you who are on with us with video, and we'll have the link in the show notes, but we've got the book here, her story, four years, thinking, reading, talking, researching, writing. Wow. Just the journey of getting this book published is quite a journey. Oh yes. (laughs) It's not for the faint of heart. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So is this sort of your latest project? Did this come after the historical uh, material? Yeah, it it actually resulted because of the business, you know, at these when we were part of these homeschool conferences, uh, I was a speaker and, you know, it was 
best practices when raising girls? What can we do? And so one of the things that I talked about was, you know, beauty culture. Let's really look at beauty culture um, as an option and understand why it started, how it started, how the what the natural consequences of that um, of beauty culture has been through the generations, and really present it in such a way that our our girls are free of that expectation. And if they want to do it, great. Just let's let's figure out why you want to do it, not because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, and so it breaks down makeup and. Uh, hairstyles and shaving, like why, why, why did women start shaving? Where did that come from? Um, fashion trends. We talk about uh, I, the last chapter is about friendships, just that beauty, um, mm-hmm. how beauty culture can sometimes shape a friendship where you feel like you've got to fit in instead of realizing you were made to belong in, in a space, not fit into a space. And, you know, with girls, understanding that a lot of times friendships are seasonal because there is a lot of heartache that comes with girlfriends. <laughs> and um, just to kind of wrap that up and, and put a little bow tie on it. Okay. Okay. And and obviously if, if you write for everybody, you wind up reaching nobody. So there is a targeted audience, but I've got to ask, it sounds like to me, this would be a great book for men to read as well to, to gain some understanding maybe. Oh, yes. Yes. In the so there's sections for girls and then there's sections for parents. And, you know, I, and I ask questions like with the parents, what is your expectation of beauty? And, you know, if you're a dad, do you expect your wife to wear makeup? Why is that? Do you expect your daughter to shave? Um, and I talk about period care and I talk about dads. You got to be not like in it a hundred percent, but you're the first guy your daughter will ever talk about a period with. So she's got it. She's got to know it's okay. Um, so yes. Yeah. yeah and, and I've got to, on the other side of that, I got to say, guys, get over being squeamish. Okay. That this, this is just life. Okay? Yeah. 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 And I say in the book, periods equal people. So if you want to have children, you got to understand how this works. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just, I'm glad to hear this. Um, And for folks who are on with video, we've got a QR code up on the screen. It's Heather Stark, H-E-A-T-H-E-R-S-T-A-R-K dot me. Is that the best place for people to find the book or should we be linking to uh, some other place to get the book? Um, That link will take you to Amazon, but it's also online. Target and Walmart and Books a Million, uh, Barnes and Noble. Those yeah. Ones. Okay. Uh, curiosity. Are you using books to read.com for a, a universal link? No, I have not heard of books to read. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get off here, because okay. that can be an easy way to let people find your book. Anyway, I uh, also want to show the graphic is going to look the same, but the QR code is different. This is, going to grace and grit box and i want to get that on the screen we'll come back to the qr code again in just a second but let's see here i've gone over time here because i'm just so fascinated by this uh grace and grit box so there's a lot of stuff here new products Okay, start with Grace Motivational Journal. That sounds really interesting. Empowering gifts for your girl. History-based unit studies, which I think is probably where we started. 
Mm-hmm. And then educational tools for girls ages 8 to 12. And that struck me when you were talking a little while ago about third grade, fourth grade girls coming in with these issues. And I did the math real quick and said, these are 8, 9, 10-year-old girls. Yeah, they're children. They're children realizing things that adults are realizing. It's, ugh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just so powerful. Uh, the uh, uh, did you work with uh, an illustrator? Is it your business partner an illustrator? Um, He's graphic, but we have an amazing illustrator, um, and she's just Ani. She's she's just takes the spirit of what we're trying to do and brings life to it. She's fabulous. Excellent, excellent. Okay, because just bringing all that together is a, a challenge in and of itself. So once again, it's Grace and Grit Box, uh, and I'll have a link in the show notes because it, it's I can say it out loud. It's just simply graceandgritbox.com. dot mm-hmm. No spaces, no hyphens. That was good. <laughs> okay. So what what's next as far as uh, how the business will continue to develop or, or your journey? It doesn't, it's not necessarily through Grace and Grit Box. Uh, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Because you think it is once you start a business that everything is going to go through this business. Uh, so we, as a result of that article, we have been asked to not attend any of those conferences anymore. Wow. Okay. So it was very interesting that I was punished for my reaction to things that happened to me at those conferences. Um, However, as a result of that article, secular homeschool conferences have reached out. So we will kind of shift um, and, and start touring with those in the spring. I have a dream of opening a girls school that I'm slowly starting to put into play. Um, now this is obviously a long game. Yeah. Um, I want to be able to build grace and grit to where I am able to hire women who need second chances and third chances and fourth chances at life. We, um, feel very strongly about adding more diversity to Grace and Grit Box. And so we're coming out with our 11th woman uh, in 2024. And then our 12th woman, both of them will be women of color. One will be Hispanic, one will be Asian. Uh, that's that's where I am now. Those are the things that <laughs> I'm slowly peddling through. Excellent, excellent. I, I'm, I'm going to step on a soapbox here for just a second, Heather. You know, I've, I've mentioned I work as a pastor. Uh, I've homeschooled from both sides of this. Uh, I'm going to say to those folks who are disinviting you, shame on you. Because you need to have the diversity of worldviews here. Okay, this is not somebody who's pushing pagan philosophy. This is somebody who is empowering women. And I'm, I'm going to put it out here like this. There's nobody in history who in their context in their cultural context empowered women more than jesus christ yeah so uh shame on you but i am glad that the um the secular homeschooling industry is now reaching out to you we will share that link to the article and all these websites Uh, we don't have a large audience heather but we have an influential one and so uh I'm sure these folks will be supporting you. So as we come to an end of our time together here, um, 
one of my favorite questions to ask is always I'm talking to somebody who's a specialist in some way or who's, who's focused on their own journey, whatever it might be. There's probably something you may wish I had asked that I didn't. And if so, no pressure, you know, because if, if you feel like we've covered it, it's fine. But if there's something you wish that I had asked, what would that question be and what would your answer to it be? Oh, wow. You know, one of the things that I think people who were trying to live an aligned life, I think because I thought this certainly at the beginning was that got it done. Everything's going to be smooth and golden after this. And it's not. It is an everyday thing. And so like the practices and the realization um, that you have every day, you know, those things are important. And so just the practices of spending time by yourself, of reflecting on your life on the day, um, you know, moving your body to get those anxieties and that because it's your risk. There's a risk tolerance that goes with living an aligned life, even if you don't change your career, you know, that. Mm -hmm. Um, so moving your body, getting that energy flowing, um, the maintenance is real. And then the realization that your worst fear will come true and you live through it. You live through all your worst days. <laughs> so, yeah. And that mistakes are a part of success. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, Heather, thank you so much for coming on here. I mean, this was an invitation that came to you just kind of out of the blue. Uh, I hope that uh, I hope that you're getting I know you're a podcast host yourself. You want to mention your podcast? We can put a, a link to that in the, the, the show notes. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, it actually resulted from these conferences and, and you know, really wanting to uh, help people understand what feminism is and that mm -hmm. it's not an evil thing. And so it's called Stark Conversations. And I um, am looking at feminism from different aspects and how it's a method of healing and advocacy. Okay. Okay. So m make sure that I've got a link to, you know, wherever uh, fine podcasts are sold, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so we want to be sure and get that in there. Yeah. Um but uh, th this just kind of came in out of the blue and you were very kind in coming on to the alignment show. I think you are an ex a great example of what we're all about on this show, about taking the chances to live your values so you can value your life. Oh, thank you. You have just a powerful story. If you can hang out in the green room for just a moment uh, so I can thank you properly, uh, we'll be back with you in just a moment. Okay, folks. So this one was a strong one to me. I mean, uh, it, it's really touching my heart. I'm so grateful that Heather came on. Uh, we, we have uh, another one that will be coming up next week. Christmas has kind of snuck up on me this year. Do you realize that uh, next Friday is the Friday just before Christmas? And so we've already got that episode um uh, recorded. We're going to be talking with uh, uh, Gina uh, uh, Soldano Hurley. Forgot her last name for just a second. I started to say Gina Stark. Gina Soldano Hurley. Uh, Gina is uh, another one who is uh, putting books out there. Uh, she, she, I met her through a writer's group. We had just a great conversation about what brought her to her place. It goes along really rather well with what we've just talked about with Heather. And so we will be doing that next week. 
So we will be on for the alignment show. It's just going to be recorded. I will introduce it live, but we weren't sure with things go, uh, the way things go just day before Christmas that we'd be able to get Gina on live. In any case, be sure and join us next week for the alignment show. We're always seeking to support you in your own life so that you can live your values and value your life. We will see you next week. I'm trying to find my video clip here. Here we are. We'll see you next week on The Alignment Show.